0: everybody, Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 96. Good to be back with everybody for our first episode of 2019. Hope everyone had a great holiday and new year. My name is Gabe Estel. I'm here with my co hosts, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Amazing. Good. Happy New Year. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know what? Tonight, I'm really excited because we've got a couple special guests here um, that really can speak, I think, really well on the topic at hand tonight. Our last episode, we did a field guide to Detroit. That's where a little bit different. We took a little bit of a different take. It was our first one where um, we gave you sort of a, a musical tour of a city, at least virtually and uh kind of talked about some of the 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 sort of the quirks of of the scene uh within within detroit as well as kind of its rich history of music well tonight though we're gonna head a little bit east and we're gonna focus on philadelphia um I think a city that uh, has a very, very rich musical history, uh, but often maybe kind of gets overlooked a little bit by sort of cities like like Detroit and San Francisco and and even Chicago, for that matter. But really just a uh, a, a, an important place in American music. So I'm here with my special guest tonight. We've got Craig Rosen, Philly native. How are you, Craig? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me tonight. Oh, we're so glad you're here, definitely. And we've also got uh Philadelphia native uh and uh artist uh Perry Shall. How are you, Perry? Good, good, thanks for having me. Oh yeah, thanks for being here. We're excited. Um so I want to go ahead and um kind of start off on talking a little bit about um some of your experiences with Philadelphia music. Um I know that both of Craig. You grew up in Philly, but then you give us a little bit of
1: background. You headed to
0: college in Colorado, but then um, ended up in Chicago. Then, right?
1: I uh, a, a short, uh, Yeah, kind of a short version. I grew okay. up. I grew up in Philly. I got my bachelor's in Philly, so I lived there okay. like some um, about 22, and then I went away to Boston, moved back to Philly for a year or so, and then to Colorado. Um, so I've been, been back and forth, but really in Philly, Philly through the, um, seventies, eighties, and maybe very early nineties. Um, was, that was my scene.
0: Cool. And then, and then Perry, what about you, man?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been here my whole life. I I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, but uh, right. yeah,
0: that's a good place. Um, my, uh, my wife is Philly suburbs, so, um, not necessarily, uh, can't, Always, you know, speak to the music scene there. And she came to she came to the Chicago when she was seventeen to go to school, and has been here ever since. But she grew up um, like Chance Ford area, like Delaware oh, okay. or right around there. So yeah, so my yeah, I've I've I've, I've visited the city uh, a few times as well, and really really enjoyed it. Um, particularly Johnny Brenda's. I went there one time. You guys are probably familiar with that place. Um, yeah, yeah, I got to see um, the War on Drugs there on New Year's Eve about. It was about probably it was a little while maybe like seven eight years ago probably um, yeah a, a little while back um, they were they were they were they hadn't quite necessarily exploded in popularity like they have over recent years it was uh, right around the probably like the Slave Ambient album I think maybe had just come out or was right or right around there but uh, yeah it was a cool venue I loved it it was really intimate and uh, really 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 cool. But um, so let's let's talk a little bit about um, you know your experiences growing up. Um, so Craig, you want to tell us maybe about your first show in Philly? What was the venue? What was that like? Um, and then we'll talk about some of the kind of the more famous uh, Philly venues as well and, and, and Live Aid too. So what was what was your 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 first show that you recollect?
1: Yeah, my first big rock concert was Queen in 1978, the Jazz Tour. Yeah at the uh, spe- at the uh, spectrum i don't know if you know folk but i saw harry chapin with my family a few oh, weeks yeah. before that which okay was really, but when you think of a concert it was queen in seventy seventy eight, 78 i guess
0: oh damn peak of, i mean the, the peak of their powers too really you know yep.
1: Yep. yeah I mean, that was that was um you know bicycle race fat bottom, don't stop me now and hadn't quite hit the game yet so hadn't hadn't had their number ones they were hungry it was great it was amazing i bet jesus
0: uh, wow. Wow. And that was at the, at the Spectrum as well, which is demolished now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: The um, – it was – you know, that was like here in Chicago, like all-state arena, and then when the United Center was built. But in Philly, they were building the same complex. So for a right. few years, you had that and the new one, First Union, whatever they're called now, Wells Fargo Center, and then they finally got rid of it. The,
0: and the, base, the baseball stadium's right there too, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, so is the football. OK.
0: Oh, OK. Right. So,
1: all, so the yeah. Eagles and Phillies used to be at at the vet together and then um, they built separate stadiums for each of them right across the parking lot from each other, which is then. And that's on the spot, I think, where JFK Stadium was. Um, and then the so there's three three stadiums in that complex now.
0: OK. All right. And the Flyers and the Sixers share a joint. Exactly. Right. OK. OK. Cool. Cool. Um Perry what about you man what's uh, what were some of your earliest Philly music memories Uh
2: well I went to a couple like bigger concerts when I was in I guess like 6th grade but they were in like Camden cuz that's where oh, okay in
0: a Jersey, venue, yeah
2: You know a bigger venue that we would have uh shows for like Philly everybody from Philly would have to go there
3: mm-hmm.
2: Um and then the first concert I ever went to my dad took me to see Ringo Starr uh, and his all-star band, but that was in Delaware. So, oh, okay. I guess my first couple concerts, and then I saw Hall and Oates when I was really young, but that was in Atlantic City. So <laughs> I, all my Philly concerts were not in Philly. But then, um, probably around seventh or eighth grade, I started going to like local shows and seeing like local bands play at a bowling alley or you know wherever, you know, with local shows. People would put them on wherever you could possibly play music pretty much. Right, right. So, yeah, we, a uh, lot of times at a bowling alley. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Very cool. So, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything that can, can become a venue, you know, absolutely. Um, so, so, Craig, then taking us in, you, you know, Queen was your first show in 78. Obviously, uh, sounds fantastic at the height of – certainly, as I mentioned, at the height of their powers – Took us into the '80s, right? And then, so what are some of the shows you saw early '80s?
1: Um, huge bands in Philly. Je- uh, Genesis was all, was always huge. Um, you know, there was. This, I was thinking about that. There was this at going to the Spectrum, especially for the between that and JFK. Just a series of like Genesis and Van Halen and George Thorogood, which was who was amazing. I'll never forget that at huge at huge venues. Um, billy squire i mean it was like you know it it was just a time period and there was at bowie of course i'm say of course but uh bowie a real uh philly favorite so um it was like this kind of like cycle that you would go like for my friends and i i don't know over maybe three four months at least once if not uh twice a month maybe three for these big stadium shows in the, uh, this is sort of my high school days. So this is like 80 through 84, 85.
0: So you kind of saw a transitioning Genesis, right? Going to three members kind of, right. Sort of Duke kind of the, the um, Abacab right around there. or
1: I think, yeah, I think Abacab, I think Abacab was my first. And then they, um, I saw them at the spectrum a few times and then they played, I think they played the vet. It was either vet or JFK, but I think, oh, I damn, think the big show. and, uh, yeah, and that was uh, <laughs> a oh story actually when they were in town for that I was working at a sporting goods store in Philly and Mike Rutherford came nice. in to to get something and I'm um, back then. Credit cards, you know, you swipe yeah. them. You had carbon, yeah. so I stole uh, the copy of the <laughs> credit card with the signature, and I now have it with my Duke album. So uh, <laughs> that's,
2: know, nice. that's great. Awesome. <laughs> that's
0: great. Yes. Did, were, were you guys able to fit him in? If if I remember, Craig, Mike Rutherford's like six eight or something, isn't he? Like
1: really tall. I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember what he got, but some some dude was like, "Craig, oh my god!" This... And so I'm like, "Cool, I'll take care of him." And then I just slid the uh slid the carbon copy right in my uh right in my pocket and now it's at home so yeah, i don't that's know if awesome. we'll go... i don't think i'll get anything on ebay but you never know
0: yeah, yeah right. that's awesome yeah tall guy man too like yeah. i said he could have he played for the sixers um but uh yeah good stuff man and then so so 84 right wraps around like that's that's sort of you're into high school right around there right
1: i'm um, high school yeah i graduated high school in 84 okay and uh 85 we get to oh, 85 we start seeing rush and other ba- i mean just keeps going nice nice so you saw van
0: halen first era with roth right yeah i saw it
1: on yeah. the 1984 tour and um nice and uh mark anthony i think had his base was like a shaped like a jack daniels uh bottle <laughs> nice. yeah. if i, if michael, I remember michael. what
2: michael
1: anthony michael anthony You said mark anthony right Ma- right yeah. Yeah. I'm a, that's other music.
2: Somebody's got to stick up for Michael Anthony. Right? <laughs> I'm kidding,
0: man. He got, he got Wolfgang. Well, that, anyway. that was,
4: it was like a golden period for arena and stadium rock.
3: Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it was, it was like they were fighting back, you know, the punk, you know, punks came and they sort of not mocked arena rock, but it, they kind of pushed it away. And then arena rock, the who were doing one of their farewell tours. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they're playing, I think, The Clash opened for The Hoops. You saw the,
0: him with The Clash. I remember you told me that before. You saw him yeah. with The Clash. Open. That was in, uh, like, 82-ish, right yeah, around yeah. there.
1: And wow. so, you know, and Bo, and Bowie is now, you know, he's got his Let's Dance album uh, out when I'm in high school. So that is it's this great period of, of kind of refinding stadium rock. Um, mm-hmm. Boston is releasing one of their comeback albums uh, around then. So um it was kind of like okay you guys you guys kicked us when we were down arena rock and now we're taking over again um, Jethro Tull was still was the Kinks were still touring um, so these were god these were great times
0: kind of kind of a um if i remember correctly sort of a renaissance period for the or, or sort of a rejuvenated period for the Kinks in the mid 80s like they got popular again if they, I remember correctly. Yeah,
1: yeah, the um, let's. I'm sorry, I'm hogging up the conversation here. Sometimes. No, that's why um, we have you on. They they had um, you know, the uh, come dancing uh right. rejuvenated them, and um, one of the t- one of the times I saw them, um, Tommy Shaw of sticks. He had just, you know, he had just left them, and uh-huh. he, he was the opening act, but every song he did was a stick song. Sure, so it was like watching. It, you know I mean, for not the Dennis DeYoung songs. Thankfully, Um, so, you know, these are like tours where you're like, you're getting the opening act and you're like, yeah, this hour, this could go on for two hours as opposed to like, let's, you know, get rid of them. So it was great stuff. Tommy
0: Shaw opening for the Kinks. Interesting. I don't know.
1: Maybe they were on the same label.
0: I don't know. I don't know if you guys have seen Tommy Shaw lately. He looks like one of the real housewives of Orange County with a goatee. I don't know if you've seen him lately. (laughs) He's like, I mean, like. Mildly attractive, right? But like, like he looks like looks one of those good Orange in a Cow- ball gown. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I mean that he's he's a good-looking man. But like, it just if you see him, you're like, whoa! Like, he looks like like your sort of tan Orange County mom. You know, it's 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 just when we get done with this episode, just like you know, Google image Tommy Shaw 2018, and you'll you'll see what I mean. But anyway, still got long flowing hair. I don't know. But we'll, well, shit, man. Let's just go right to 1985 then, because that's right about where you left off. One of the biggest, con- the pretty much the biggest concert of the decade comes to Philadelphia. Um, I didn't research the backstory enough to see why they chose Philly over New York. Did anybody get to look at that, or, or over LA, or any other location? I mean, it's cool that they they selected Philly, but I, I, do you know the the story behind it?
1: I was just. Does anyone else? I was just re I was just reading about it too. Um, basically, a uh, went at Shea Stadium, and they were having they were having uh, problems. They were having problems getting that. I don't know if they, it had to do with MLB, and you know that's right near LaGuardia Airport, so that's yeah. that's good. And then when they couldn't get that, they tried the Me- They tried. Um, I think the Meadowlands was built. It said mm-hmm. North Jersey, so it must have been the Meadowlands. Um, and the NFL was giving them giving them problems. So now the choices were LA, but that wasn't going to sync up well with England and Philly, which Bob Geldof had no context of, like the roots of me, like Chubby Checker and American Bandstand and Frankie Avalon, or Philly as the birthplace of America. And they were just like, they're giving it to us for free, and it's the largest stadium on the East Coast. It's over a hundred thousand people. The old, old uh, JFK, and so he so he said, you know, eventually okay. But um, the room, we had always heard in a positive way that oh, it's because it was the largest stadium on the East Coast. But then um, there was a documentary um, and an interview with Bob Geldof, and he was like, "I didn't know anything about fucking Philly." <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs>
2: just uh, you
1: can
5: guess, yes. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, but that so that ended up being
4: why free free always helps sway the vote. Yeah, yeah God. <laughs>
2: I, I also heard he didn't want or know about the Hooters, and they were the opener. Mm-hmm. And it was like some, co- I don't know if it was controversy, but there was like a whole thing about that because he was like, who are these guys, whatever. And they were like, no, they're in Philly. Like, this is going to be a big deal, I think. So they opened the whole thing.
1: Yeah, where- the Philly promoter, Larry, I'm not sure if it's Magid or Magid. Um he pushed for it, and then um I mean, this is all over the internet, but the irony is you know he was like, "I don't know these guys, and there was um an interview on Rolling Stone where he's like, "I don't know who the hell these guys are and then about twenty five years later, he opened for the Hooters in Germany.
3: Wow <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny.
1: laughs> and eric, eric bazillion i was uh, I was reading the interview, he was like, "Yeah, we didn't really treat him that 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 great but, <laughs> But,
0: <laughs> they didn't so. get to eat any of the catered food or anything. Changing rooms, <laughs> like, yeah, right. right. Karma. Right. karma. Wow! Wow! I, I have to imagine Bob Geldof didn't sign off on all the acts that played. I can't. I, I can't imagine Bob Geldof's a big Ario Speedwagon fan, right? I'm just guessing, you
2: know.
0: Well, and that right. was like
4: that, and that's like right at the end before Gary Richrath got kicked out of the band. Right. And right. so it, it's like pure coked up era Ario Speedwagon. Yeah. Like Kevin Cronin has like three cans of Aquanet in his hair, yeah. and he's got like a glitter suit on, and yeah. it's just. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's uh it's, the it's, the role of the changes, man. Brian Wilson comes out and does backing books. Well, oh yeah, here. like
4: all like Carl? They're like the whole the whole Beach Boys. They're and kids. A bunch too. of little kids. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I I'm touched. Um Well so take us, Craig. I mean, you, you were there, man. Um obviously it was it was crowded and hot, but w- what else do you recall, man? I mean, um what was the anticipation like?
1: You know, I remember hearing about it, I was visiting um I was in San Diego when it was announced, visiting a friend who was going to UCSD. Uh-huh. And I heard it announced. I was like, "Holy crap! I got to get to I got to get to this thing." And Philly, um, we kind of I think Perry uh, knows this attitude. Philly sort of. Uh, Unfortunately, they always feel like we're kind of second-class citizens. And when something good happens, there must be a bad reason for <laughs> it. You know? I always say, this getting to baseball, but when the Phillies lost their 10,000th game and they were like the first sports franchise, like people in Philly were like, do we celebrate this? Do we have a parade? We're first at something here. <laughs> like, we're happiest to be like the best losers. Um, so when that was announced in Philly, it was like, you know, oh, my God. And um, so the day, you know, the day came. And if you were, I'm 51. So, you know, I would say I was in college then. And it was um, such a time. uh, It was so exhilarating. And places like Philly itself, I don't think we had MTV yet when cable was making its way throughout Philly, all the suburbs did. And I would visit people out in the suburbs. And, you know, you would see videos by the Hooters, actually. But Philly itself didn't have it. So the kind of the energy of MTV, we knew, but not, not really. Um, So this, uh, so this concert's built and um, we got general admission seats. I remember we're at the very back of the, um, the sort of the horseshoe. If you look at uh, JFK on the floor, but the very, very back of the horseshoe. Um, I was thinking today, I can't remember who the hell I went with. I just can't. I'm like, I, I might even put on Facebook where any of you, the people I went, <laughs> I with. Like I remember we'll the find them. <laughs> I remember the shirt. I remember all that, but I can't remember who the hell I went with. And um, so it was, you know, it was br- it was brutally hot. It was packed with people. You know, all anyone the, the ongoing vibe was always, you know, this is our Woodstock. This is our Woodstock. That was like sure. a, that's fair. you know it had this good cause to it. And that was sort of like the vibe, um, the highlight waiting for anything for a lot of people were, was the Zeppelin reunion because so many, so many of the great band, you know, so many of the great bands were in England. That's not to say, you know, Tom Petty or CSNY or those people who played in in philly weren't great but i think it was the zeppelin reunion that was like holy shit we're getting this and of course the expectation that springsteen was going to show up magically on his white horse uh and he never did of course right Uh, so i think that was the the buzz as it went on and then um early on we weren't linked with uh with england and then at a certain point when it got linked and it was clear, and then we were going on TV and everything was clear, the energy really, really like shot up at that point. It, Very nice, yeah.
2: Zeppelin performances. What pair? I, I posted literally posted today a clip of the Zeppelin performance because they played with Phil Collins on drums.
3: Yeah,
4: and
2: it is one of the worst perform. I, I love Led.
4: Zeppelin. <laughs> oh, it is. It's awful. It's,
2: it's one of the worst performances, like. The vocals are bad. The mix yeah. is bad. So, the drums are bad. Like he, they didn't. I think Phil Collins played on one of their, unlike Robert Plant's solo record or something like yeah. that. So he brought him in. Like, oh, there's a friend of mine. he He's a great drummer. He can do it. And I think they were planning on like not doing as much as they ended up doing. And it was just so bad. What a, could you well, think of? It, the thing I think there was a lot of coke up involved in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> reunion, and then that's what came of it. yeah
4: it's a lot easier now to go back and watch the footage on it because you know in hindsight you can tell yeah there was a lot of coke involved and then i mentioned before we started recording i'm a union stagehand now so to me watching these videos of the performances it's like a logistical nightmare to me it's like each (laughs) band is getting like two or three songs and then they're having to transition to new sound guys to new bands and so like a lot of the videos, the sound seems like it was awful. What in, yeah. in your experience, how was the sound the day
1: of the show? Well, you know, I remember at the concert, you know, the energy was there. But the sound, especially that, you know, it's 1985. So especially then the sound at these outdoor concerts was really just sort of growing. So I don't think I realized Zeppelin was quite as bad as they were. I mean, I'm sure I had a couple cocktails in me. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I would just be so yeah. awestruck. You know yeah, what I mean? I, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think that's what it was. And I think also I think Phil Conn's, but I think also like um shit, Tony Thompson. Tony Thompson. Bows, but he I think played Bows, with him, Bows, him too. Yeah, it was a, a double drummer,
0: drummer thing. thing. Yeah. It yeah. went Alman Brothers style that day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and um so I, I don't think I realized that it was so bad because I was so like I can't believe what I'm witnessing kind of right? thing. Oh, yeah. kind of thing. Um, but then you know when they released the Live Aid 25th anniversary video, the the Zeppelin wouldn't allow their set on there. They just <laughs> With like, good reason. They they put out something else afterwards, and the proceeds went to the uh, went to the famine relief. They were like, but art we can't art. But of course, the magic of YouTube, you can see almost anything.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I also well, recommend that, if you guys that, haven't watched it. Um, sorry, Levi. The uh, there's a there's an interview that Alan Hunter from MTV conducts uh, after their performance, and like Plant and Page just hate each other at that oh, point. Yeah. Um, like Page is is just wasted, and Plant is just you know he's talking up his new album. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it's you know, like, it's, a Big yeah. log, yeah, yeah,
4: right, yeah. He's just he's just going <laughs> on and on
0: and just. Page is just gr- just 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 glaring at him. Like. Oh yeah, yeah, just, yeah It's great. Like you you're ruined just, you the bands, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They hate each other. So, yeah. what I
4: was gonna say was, uh, the real winner of the whole thing, in my mind, is Patty LaBelle's management team, because somehow Patty LaBelle. Got put on after Zeppelin, Phil Collins, Eric Clapton, CSNY, Duran Duran, like they all threw a, these They threw people. a Philly
0: artist a bone there, yeah, you know? Yeah, so, it's, it's, yeah.
1: Well, like Philly wants Patty LaBelle to be like our version of Aretha. She's sure. kind of like the poor man's Aretha. Oh, look right. at Harry's like not buying it or no? <laughs> Dude,
2: she's she's amazing though, and I think that um, she won't get the credit, and that's fine. But also, that's like. We really hold on to her, like yeah, you know.
4: Oh, I love Patty Labelle, but I I just it, think it's amazing that her management I, got her that I,
2: slot I, in the
0: show. Yeah, the billing the billing sequence is interesting. Yeah, yeah. well, and yeah.
2: somebody would get like, you know, eight minutes for their set, and then I watched like something that was on Showtime or something where they do these like short stories with reenactments and all this stuff. And I think, like, Boomtown Rats had, like, 18 minutes. <laughs>
3: right. But,
2: like, status quo, or somebody had, like, six minutes, you know, whatever it was. And, obviously, Geldof took more time. But, I mean, that's how the whole show probably was. Like, you could only see Queen for what? You said, I mean, I think they played for 20 minutes or something.
1: Yeah, I think, they're,
2: I think they think for they're 20 minutes. What is that?
1: 20 for each. I think it was supposed to be that. But you look... At the um, at the set list, I mean, they of course did that great medley of, of all songs. They play Hammer to Fall, the whole song, but everything else. I do remember when they came on, uh, though. But um, then other bands you see do like two songs, three songs. Um, okay. It really is kind of a, a mix. Zeppelin did three songs. One of them was Stairway, and I forgot what the others were. Um, they like, did a whole lot of and love and some yeah. rock and, rock and rock roll, roll, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um. So. It was yeah, it was this like great. It was that great mix, but yeah, I th- and I think Patty Labelle did she bring on Teddy Pendergrass, or did he come on with someone, uh, someone else? They wheeled him on. It was the first time after his accident that he performed. I think he was on with Ashford and Simpson. He was on Ashford and okay. Sim- Simpson. So kind of getting that Philly, the Philly soul thing uh, sure. up there.
2: I uh, just saw a documentary, by the way, on Teddy Pendergrass, and when it comes out, I recommend everybody sees it. It's mind blowing. It's incredible.
1: Nice.
0: Cool. He's
2: he's a very important Philly musician to me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I I I, uh, I spun about three of his records, three or four of his records in preparation, like his debut up until like his early '80s stuff. And yeah, what, absolutely he was originally agree.
4: with like Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, was it? Or yeah. Who was he with?
2: Yeah, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. So they were the Blue Notes, and he was the lead singer. He was singing all the hits, and Harold Melvin told the management or or maybe um Gamble and Huff like. Hey, we all talked about it. We want to call the band Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes. He came back. They all found out. They're like, so everybody thought that the voice you heard was Harold Melvin, but it was Teddy ah.
3: Prince.
2: So ah. he on his own and was like, oh, I'll be fine. And obviously he was. And nobody knows any Harold Melvin songs. Up, <laughs> sure, yeah.
0: sure. Well, let's transition to that because I, I I could talk about Live Aid all all day. Um, but uh, we could have a whole episode on that. But um. The sound of Philadelphia is um, is is relatively new to me. Like, granted, I know I, I know obviously I know Patty Labelle and Teddy Pendergrass and um, a few of the people, but um, I heard. Um, a, like a, a few years ago, like I put on the Delphonics uh, "La La Means I Love You," um, you know, and I, I hadn't really explored it much. I knew I knew the songs were in the movie Jackie Brown. I don't know if you remember, the, like in the yeah. But you know, I just for me, like I just kind of I, I didn't have anything against it. I just kind of wrote that stuff off, you know, when I was younger. It just it just didn't appeal to me. And then I heard um, "La La Means I Love You," uh, you know, a few years ago, and it just knocked me out. I mean, it is so well done um it's so well produced um and it's you know it, it, like just the fact that philly had like sort of its own version of motown but it was funkier it was um you know kind of kind of sexier as well you know i mm-hmm. i was kind of thinking like if i could characterize it like motown was like getting to first base like the the, the sound of philadelphia was going all the way all that's,
1: right that's deal so. the deal music
0: yeah absolutely
1: absolutely
0: um so yeah I, I I don't know how 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 um how much you guys listen to that stuff um and I know that it's it's steeped in 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 Philly's musical history, but I just think it's it's just really cool that um just Philly had such an important piece of the seventies there you know um it, it's 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 just neat and it's great tunes
1: well it was you know? and it was so um like sigma sound studios right. it was so influential i mean Bowie records the young Americans album there.
3: Oh, okay.
1: Spring Springsteen meets Bowie while Bowie is recording Young American out Young Americans, and uh and and uh takes a bus down to Philly to, to meet him there. Um, and then that doesn't include things like Stevie Wonder came in to perform things like that. But Perry, oh, wow. do you know more about like the history of 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 Sigma Sound and Philly International?
2: I mean, not like, not. The more of the history necessarily just stories I've heard of every musician came through there and wanted a piece of it and uh, you know obviously Holland Oates like I saw John Oates a couple months ago and he performed oh, and I was nice. like we used to go down the street and record this is like and and I, meanwhile I went to a show at the Truck which is another venue I grew up going to in Philly and yeah. recently I was there and I parked my car and I look and there's like a, one of those plaques it's like Sigma Sound and I'm looking around and I'm like. Wait, where was it again? And I and I had to look it up on my phone because it's just a blacked out window covered in graffiti. It's nothing now. It's like oh, so wow. Wow. something that that produced. I mean, even just to say David Bowie, which wasn't even from Philly, but like the fact that it got that far. It, I mean, it's crazy. And yeah. every, Everybody, you know, all the Philly. Yeah. But, was and, all in, like Motown, you know, it was in house. Everything was sure yeah but they had was, they had
0: um the band it's an acronym like they had uh, some dudes that that played with them that like basically m- served as the backing band for a lot of those m f
1: s b yeah
0: m f s b that's oh, it. Right. yeah 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 mother
1: father sixty sister brother yeah they did
0: they did the soul train theme as well uh MF, MFSB did yeah yeah but um yeah, um go ahead, Lee, go ahead. in in my in my searching i'm a record
4: digger as well so in my searching for forty fives anytime i come across philly international or TSOP, you the know, sound of philadelphia like I, if i'm even they're... if i've never heard of them i know they're gonna be bangers i usually just buy because yes. it's <laughs> like you know what i mean and, and they uh they just like game reiter i want to reiterate they were so well produced a lot of those Absolutely. records man those guys don't get you know a lot of credit where where they should and, yep. um you know if I was doing like a soul a soul song Mount Rushmore, like if you don't know Be by now by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes would probably be
1: on it. Yeah, Ugh. I mean, so that, good. That, and and then they get the I'm going to say credit, although some will say blame for really originating disco. Yeah, like Ram's mm-hmm. Disco Inferno, and I remember that. I remember my sister and Perry's sister, and my sister's eight, you know them coming home, and she's eight years older than me. Oh, your mom, Jesus Christ! I'm sorry, Perry. <laughs> Okay. I remember Michelle and that's Beth, music, you know, coming home, singing, you know, singing that and uh, going at the time they were then trying to go to discos uh, quite literally. But I mean, that's like the, the you know, the, the pinnacle of, of you know, it's just dirty and raunchy and mm-hmm. um, just like really good stuff. <laughs> was that there? Yeah.
2: I said, just like Philly, dirty and raunchy.
1: And gritty, of course.
0: It's appropriate. You guys know the place more better than I, far better than I do. But it, it always reminded me of a city that kind of had one foot in the Midwest and one foot in the Northeast. Is that kind of uh, a little bit no, or sort of? No, I hate you now. Okay, all right, never mind. All right, never mind.
1: All right, <laughs> no, that
0: would be Pittsburgh. It's Okay, guys. Jeez, all right, It's the no, best place on earth. All right,
1: sorry. No, it, it's not that. I think Philly. Oh, they're like you want i think at times because they compare themselves to new york so okay. much yeah. and there's the whole history of the philly sky, uh, skyline that perry knows like the height and why the in city hall that it was like always considered like a big a big small town although it was the fourth and fifth depending yeah. on when biggest city yeah. in the country Fair. it's just very um It's very um, Philly-centric, really. I mean, people from you know will go to New York, but we love Philly. We, you know, we always have uh, uh, we always have a um, rivalry with things from New York, Um, and it's really. I mean, we uh, Perry and I both love love Philly. I mean, we just I love it. Um, But I don't think I don't think it's kind of one foot in the Midwest. I think it's just I think it's a very just enclosed, I guess it's not the way oh, okay. looking for, but um, like one of the things I say is that almost every band from Philly has a song about Philly or mention mm-hmm. Philly. Yeah. Whether it's the Dead Milkman, whether it's Holland Oats, whether it's yeah. the Hooters, whether it's G Love and Special oh, yeah. Sauce, Mara. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Are, are you guys familiar with them? We we've talked them up a lot on this show. Um, I don't even know if they're still around, but uh, kids. Yeah, Marah. Yeah.
2: One of the guys in the band follows me on Instagram, and I didn't know. And I looked the other day, and I was like, "Whoa, this guy's in Marah." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're well, it's I, like a Philly I, band that's been around forever, you know. We, I, we've
4: <laughs> we've devoted a lot of minutes to them in prior episodes, so I don't, I didn't want them to like hog up this one. But yeah, they're definitely probably my favorite Philly band. Oh,
0: that's Kids awesome. and, Kids in Philly is Philly's one of my. I think it's one of the best records of the last twenty years. Oh, we I mean, Absolutely. I,
2: I, is like oh, ween is Philly, yeah. Yeah. Like we- New Hope really, I guess, but yeah. but very I mean they have songs about Philly that Philly's their city, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: New Hope can the- only go so far. Right, <laughs> right. right. And then you
1: know, you got the root you know, then you get the roots, roots, yes. roots, roots, roots. Will yeah. Smith and Boys to men. They all have Philly songs and Philly references. Yeah. Um, it's great. Uh, you know, so that I mean that's sort of like the Philly pride. And sometimes they're a little tongue in cheeky, but they're there.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of local pride. It's it's great to see another guy that if I could just hop back to the sound of Philadelphia that is new to me, but um, I, obviously he's he's an old act. I, I really liked Billy Paul. I don't know if you guys have have heard much of his. Me stuff. and Mrs. Um, Jones. Huh? Yeah, right. That one, but he was you know kind of politically conscious. Um, just he was he was sort
1: of the Marvin Gayish. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, he had that that vibe to him yeah. um and uh, really smart lyrics, you know. So I highly recommend any of Billy Paul's 70s stuff. Um starting with Ebony Woman on. It's it's all
1: it's all just just solid gold, man. I think, I think Lou Rawls also uh records, yeah. He's got mm-hmm. that. That'd
0: yeah. Awesome. And then even though they're not from there, I think they're from Ohio. Uh the OJs were on um Philadelphia International. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So love they're them. commonly associated with Philly, even though they're, they're technically, I think, an Ohio band. Or yeah. Philly, at least that's where it started.
2: Uh, I want to – I got to look this up. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the stylistics, but there's like a Philly band who didn't record, favorite. but they didn't actually record in Philly. I can't remember which band it was, but that was kind of <laughs> confusing. I just found out they weren't recording the stuff in Philly, but it came because it came out on a different label or something. I don't know. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, stylistics so, are great too. I, I mean, love stylistics. Yeah, their debut album is, is is fantastic. There's another one too. Um, they didn't quite get as much attention as Delphonics or, or Stylistics or Patty Labelle, of course. But um, Blue Magic is really good too. Well, I don't, I don't think, know if you guys have ever. No. Yeah, um, yeah. They their their album from '74 is is really tight. Um, it's it's definitely the quintessential sound of Philadelphia. So yeah, check out check out Blue Magic if you haven't heard them. Really good stuff. Yeah, I
2: mean so, there's. So- lost bands too I mean like between you know even punk but there's like all these hard rock bands that came out of Philly that didn't quite get as far as they probably could have but we're opening for you know huge bands and stuff okay and, uh, Bang is from Philly okay and
0: yeah I've heard Bang they, they
2: mm-hmm. were co- considered the American you know our version or uh, our answer to Black Sabbath but mm-hmm. they didn't get much further than I think three records
3: yeah but, yeah so
2: records are amazing and you know they started playing shows again and then there's a band called thunder and roses that like nobody Uh knows about i guess but nirvana there's like a random nirvana live cover of one of their songs that you could find which is crazy but there's just so many philly bands that kind of went under the radar still even with the internet that nobody seems to know about and Mm -hmm. i mean it's just such a big city compared to i think people don't think about how big it actually is Mm -hmm especially with music i mean i think there's probably a period where people were coming here and they still do to to try to make it oh i'll move to philly that's where so much good music is coming from and they try to make it big and or they're from here and they try to make it, i don't know it's never ending i guess well let's let's talk a little bit
0: about some sort of some of the um kind of the more uh more recent acts to emerge from philadelphia um Perry, I know that you've 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 done some work for uh, for Kirk Vile, so you know a a great artist that's really uh, that's really made a name for himself over the last few years. Played with the War on Drugs on a record, and then it's kind of I think we've mentioned on this show before. It's not it's not that often that like great musicians sort of split up. And then create equally great music, you know. In my opinion, you know, it's just like you know, wow, it's like Kurt Vile leaves the War on Drugs, he makes this amazing record, and continue makes making amazing records, and the same thing happens to the War on Drugs. Um, so yeah, that that, that scene. Um, and I don't know if Steve Gunn is from Philadelphia or not. Uh, um, I, think I don't
2: he's from Lansdowne, which is where Kurt's from. Also, okay, which is uh... 15 minutes from my house close by
0: okay cool um yeah he's great as well uh i really like him. and levi you, i know you're you're keen on him too steve gunn as well yeah well i had actually um i had
4: ne- i had never heard of the guy and uh, i was at a uh a goodwill here in illinois and stumbled upon um one of his records uh, i'm trying to think what was it called way out uh, yeah yeah
0: yeah Right, it's got the kind of like a trash heap kind of on the yeah, cover. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, like of, a yeah, yeah. It's trash heap,
4: and so yeah, I, I, you know, bought it blindly and ended up really liking it. So yeah,
0: all really good guitar work among like all three of those acts. Really? Too, you know, I know Steve Gunn has played with Kurt Vile, and it's kind of a circle of musicians. Well, Perry, tell us. I mean. um like anybody that, that 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 maybe we don't know about that 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 you're really keen on lately, um that you've heard that that maybe not as recognized as some of those names that we just mentioned.
2: Uh
0: Who's local or uh, in so the many, area?
2: So many ba- because I play music too, so all my friends every single one of my friends is in a band. You sure. know, I'm in multiple bands and they're we play with I mean, I I wouldn't even know where to start, honestly. Um I mean I like Kurt Vile he's a bigger a bigger
5: name sure. of course. Um, well here I while you're thinking about that I'll throw out some that I discovered this week and listened yeah, first, to for the first time um and uh, uh you can tell me if 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 I'm on the right track. Um uh Hurry was was a pretty good band. Uh kind of a,
0: week.
5: <laughs> What's that? Oh no shit. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah you
0: say? I, I
2: I've actually been in uh, a band with two of those members of Hurry, so they're good friends of mine. And my one of my bands played a show with them. Yeah, last. Uh, two That's weeks funny. Ago. <laughs> No, yeah. I really
5: enjoyed listening to them this week. That's, That's yeah, hot. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Tj Kong and the uh, Atomic Bomb. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed uh, their new record. It's kind of like the romp Americana rockabilly sort of thing. Um, And Japanese Breakfast, uh, which is kind of some indie pop. Um, uh, Michelle Zahner, I think is how you say your name. Uh, So, yeah, those were just a few that I stumbled upon this week.
2: Yeah. uh, To explain how, uh, I guess, incestuous the Philly music scene is, um, I said I was in a band with two members of Hurry. And then you mentioned uh, TJ Kong. My band in high school used to play with his old band. And then... (laughs) Uh, Japanese breakfast. Uh, Michelle used to be in a band with my old band's drummer. Like everybody <laughs> in Philly knows, it's crazy.
5: That's funny. That's funny. Right. And you know, and you mentioned how like so much music comes out of there. And while listening to some of these records this, this uh, these past couple weeks, it made me. I, I immediately thought, wow, this is like a really high per capita like quality music coming yeah. out of Philadelphia. It was really impressive.
1: I think I think a lot of people don't realize how many colleges are in Philly. I yeah, think sure. either other than Boston or outside of but like the metro area is one of the top two or three in the country. So there's so many younger, you know, younger artists and more people are staying there to, you know, staying in Philly now mm-hmm. as opposed to moving back out. So I think there's always kind of like an influx. I mean there's twenty twenty colleges literally um, in Philly and right and right around it, so I think that's I think that's part of it too. There's a younger population that people just don't realize a lot of times.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The music scene
0: will kind of keep replenishing itself, sort of, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, Craig, I know that you're. We'll, we'll just hop back for a second um, to to the Hooters because, <laughs> like, I, I so, even even my wife who. I, I wouldn't say knows their music that well, was like, Oh yeah, 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 the Hooters, you know, like they're I mean like are there's like so like like local legends almost, it sounds like, you know. Well
1: well what it was from what I remember, so they um their first indie album in Philly was called Amore. Mm-hmm. And it was brilliant. And it sold this is nineteen eighty three ish, give or take. Yeah. It sells a hundred thousand copies of an indie wow thing in the phil in the uh, philly area so the, and in philly there was um, a radio station it's still around but wmmr was the um uh was was everything it was the rock mm-hmm. station and like the, we had no that i remember no punk or like like bands like depeche mode or the cure or what have you there was no outlet for them philly was a classic rock station and you needed to be embraced by WMMR and WYSP to a lesser extent. So the Hooters were, and that Amore album is so raw. It's, it's got, it's full of energy. It's not nearly as polished as their first mainstream album. Uh, Nervous
3: Night.
1: Yeah. Nervous Night comes out and, you know, I'll never forget. I think each band member had their own kind of like (coughs) color. If you see like the videos or whatever. I mean, it wasn't like new kids on the block, but like, And it was very polished and very, um, and about, I'd say probably around four of the songs from Amore show up on that album and really, um, really, oh, I think overproduced. I mean, it's sign of the times, you know, at the point and, um, they sell out the tower theater and I'm not sure if they play the spectrum or not. I mean, I saw them at the tower, um, which would be like the Chicago theater, I guess, I guess. Okay. Um, in up in upper Darby, and what's kind of funny is after that first album and they're so um and they're so associated with um what's the technical name for the instrument the hooter the um
2: well they they play the melodica
1: right the melodica oh, okay that's and they're so associated with that but like their next album was like a mandolin album like by, <laughs> time, by the time you get to their second and their third albums are starting to get almost um well, Peter, Paul, and Mary do backup vocals on one of their on one of their songs that they're oh, well, that I did not of. know that. All right, and, um, they you know, and they're writing for Joan Osborne, the huge hit for well, for the writing for Cyndi Lauper and Joan Osborne. And as they go on, I kind of feel like they start get as they get mature, they stop. They're not nearly as MTV uh, friendly anymore. But their music is much more mature, is much more mature. And by the time you get to that, that last period of the end of the 80s, early 90s, their stuff is pretty, pretty great. Um,
0: I, I thought that record after Nervous Night was really strong. I, think, I, I forgot what it's called. it It's a black and white cover, black and white photo of them funny. on the cover. OK, yeah, yeah, I, I that was uh, like you said, you know, not as probably as commercially viable as uh, as. Um, nervous night but i think more mature lyrically and everything yeah. like
1: that just to just to give you my big hooters anecdote i think i told you about this once before i'm not sure i did um as an undergrad i was studying uh abroad i did a semester abroad and i go to germany and i go to the berlin wall and back then the wall was up and you could go to east you know you could go to east germany for the day and it was like you know and it's really cool so i go and i come back and I see this guy, it's David you're seeking it, and I don't know if I'm saying it properly, the drummer from uh from the Hooters. And I'm like, what the So I yell to him. I never met him before, but I'm like, yo, we go to Temple. Because Temple Temple <laughs> <laughs> I say, yeah, hey cool, man, what are you doing here? And we're like well, we're just here. He's like, we're playing at, I think the, the uh, bar was called the Latin Quarter. He's like, we're playing at the Latin Quarter. Why don't you go? So my friends and I go. We see the Hooters in concert <laughs> in Berlin on a whim. like was wow. What? And I mean, it was awesome. I mean, the Germans really through the 90s and thousands loved the Hooters. But it was like a crazy, like, thing. you know, it was just crazy. And it's something that you always <laughs> remember for sure. Nice.
2: Yeah. Very nice. Wait, so Uh, I – can I – oh, sorry. Can I – Yeah, no, go for it, man. Wait, uh, the Hooters wrote for Cyndi Lauper because Robert Hazard wrote Girls Just Want to Have Fun. He's also a Philly.
1: Rob – right, and either – I think it's Rob Hyman uh, wrote Time After – co-wrote Time After Time, like the most beautiful song
3: of of
1: hers. And Eric Bazilian writes um, One of Us for Joan Osborne, which is a humongous hit. Yeah. Uh, so they're really involved in in that sort of scene, and you know. So, yeah. And, and Rob, is it Rob Chertoff or Ron Chertoff, the the producer for the Hooters, was the producer for the, Rick. For the band? Rick Chertoff. Rick Chertoff. Chertoff. okay. Okay, yeah. It's producer for those guys. It, it, the Hooters, and you to were me
4: right, is... it was Hyman. Hyman co-wrote Time After Time. I never knew that. Oh, yeah. wow. the the hooters
1: to me is
0: almost like synth ska you know what i mean because it's got like a jig to it you know like it's it's but at the same time it's it's definitely a product at least nervous night is definitely a product of the 80s um you know the production value is um enjoyable but dated um so yeah it's it's just an interesting sound you know and one that um you know, like even like REM kind of had elements of that, but like they were doing it in a much less polished way, you know. Um, I don't know, it's it, it, it's 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 really this they, they occupy a really unique corner of the 80s, I think. The Hooters do,
1: and that's why I say if you can get the if you can, um, well, and it's easy enough these days to hear like some of those songs in the first uh iteration, on yeah, Amore. on more yeah. yeah one sounds like a bar band and one sounds like a, uh, like a synth wannabe Duran Duran-ish band. And, sure. um, and, and it's like, it's so extreme. Some of the songs, um, but yeah, they were, they, they were a huge, even now, I think Perry, I think they're playing down the shore and some bars again around Philly. Yeah, I
2: mean, they still play. Yeah. I mean, uh, Eric bazillion produced one of my friend's records. Like, <laughs> <Nice. laughs> <laughs> um, and-
3: Sweet. But yeah, like
2: all you zombies, the different two different versions of that. It's like light years. Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah. It's weird to hear the original when you know the one that's been played on the radio forever.
1: Yeah. Um so yeah, the yeah, the Hooters do they, they I I think that we thought they might be end up being bigger than they were, but they sure. certainly captured like a moment in time.
0: Absolutely. One, one guy I'd like to mention
1: who, who we haven't yet,
0: who I, I have to – you guys know more than me how, how closely associated he gets with Philly, but I know he's from there. And I, I don't know if musically he cut his teeth there. I assume he did. Is Todd Rundgren is, mm-hmm. is from Philly as well. He's from Upper Darby. OK. OK, yeah. Um, he he's deserves a mention because um, – You know, I uh, he's one of those guys as well. Like for me, you know, I uh, I I gravitated towards classic rock in high school. But, you know, he he wasn't really on my radar Um, and uh, he's great. Um, I don't know if you guys are fans or not, um, but yeah, I he he seems like he should be mentioned among the important Philly acts as well. Um, I don't I don't know how, like I said, you know, if he. If if he's more closely associated with another area, but um, that's you know he would he would be on my my Philly Mount Mount Rushmore. I, I've really I've really appreciated his music over the last few years, particularly you know everything in Utopia as well. So
1: yeah, I think we I I think when like you put together at least in my head like Philly Philly band Philly bands and Philly artists from that era, he he comes to mind as a Philly guy. Um, like I say, I think Hall and Oates is sort of the pinnacle of, of Philly at that point. And then, well, he and produced then
2: the and Oates record too. I believe, I think he did uh, babies.
1: I think so. If
2: you listen oh, to okay. it. We can, we can curse. You said, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Listen War babies, it's really fucking weird for a hollow Oates record. And again, yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> it is. towards the end. And the first time I heard it, I think I thought like, "Whoa, this is crazy. I wonder if Todd Rundgren had anything to do with it. Cause and he, of course he does. Like,
4: yeah. well, no, I mean, yeah, it, it takes a really unique individual to produce that record. Right. Uh, straight Up by Bad Finger, <laughs> Bad Out of
0: Hell by right. Mootlow. Shit, he did Dark Side of the Moon. New
4: right? York Dolls. He, he did that New York Dolls self-titled record.
0: He's a talented fucker, man. I yeah. mean, uh, and a guy that... Obviously, like music fans know him, but like I don't think necessarily the casual FM r- classic rock dude knows I don't, him. I want to well, been, you know,
4: all day. That's right. not all everybody yeah, knows. Yeah. I
0: mean, people don't know him beyond those hit singles, and uh, he's great, man. Um, yeah. Absolutely. The, the first couple Hall and Oaks records before he intervened. They kind of sound like, like Seals and Croft or Loggins and Messina uh, or something think, like that, uh, you know? Uh, yeah, uh, and I, I like Seals and Croft and Loggins and Messina. Nothing wrong with that, I, all right? I, I, so I think
2: oh, it's her, I, uh, maybe.
1: I think oh, Abandoned Luncheonette is one of the greatest, I think, that's considered by many. Do you know you don't have that pair or no, you don't like it?
2: I said, oh my God, no, it's amazing. It's, it's one an amazing album. Album. Yeah, yeah, That's, that's the one the from one like 73 or so. No, no, uh, it's got
1: Rich Girl, right? It's got She's, go, she's Gone.
2: Oh, um, She's and Gone, yeah. And yeah. Lot, is, is it La like Vegas an Turnaround? Record, I think. What? Is there a smile on the fourth record?
1: I don't know. Look
2: the big. silver cover with both of their faces on. Oh, that's. Yeah, what yeah. I
4: think you're right. Rich Girl's the one on that one, right? No, 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 no.
0: There's, there's one album cover where they're wearing a lot of makeup, and they that look was, like the New York Dolls. That was guy.
4: done by the same guy who created Ziggy Stardust. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah, the same guy who created the Ziggy Stardust like persona and makeup and all that was the guy who did that. Because it's the unique thing. It was it was one of the first like chrome foil album covers. Yeah, oh.
2: yeah. that oh, record's yeah. incredible. Camellia's on that. That's the record. Starts off with Camellia. That's like one of my favorite. Holland Oats Records, I guess.
0: Well, their first record, which is like, just has some oats on the cover of it, right? Well, or like, yeah, it's called, yeah, whole oats,
2: whole oats, whole and oats. that was originally supposed to be the band name, and then I think last minute they were like, no, 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 you just put your names on it. You'll call the album this, which was obviously a good move. But it's cool. I, th-
0: I think they've gotten a lot more respect in recent years than they had, you know, back in back in their heyday, like critically. Yeah, you know, I think I, I feel like I, I've always liked them, but I mean, I, I feel like they've they've people they've gotten their due in recent years, which they deserved, I think. They didn't
4: do themselves any favor with all their goofy ass videos. God bless them. I love Hall and Oates, but right. If you look back, the She's Gone video is great. If you guys have <laughs> if anybody who's listening out there, if you've never seen the She's Gone video,
1: it's it's priceless. You know, well, I th- I think that they have this this part before, like, Maneater and and I Can't Go For That, right? They're more kind of blue, Philly blues soul mm-hmm. stuff, which, was, uh, which is like what we're talking about, Sarah Smile. Then the MTV 80s come along, and things are glossy, and they become, I don't know if it's still true, but they had the most number one songs by a duo in history. Um, oh, yeah. I think they, they still have, probably hold that, yeah. I mean, it's like boom, 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 boom. And then, like, at Live Eight, they brought in some, I think, The Temptations or um, David Ruffin. David Ruffin, yeah. Yeah, to really try to, you know, there they are at their peak of their popularity trying to, you know, sell sell these to people. And then uh, time went on and then they kind of fell, not fell, but sort of that popularity went away. And then you hear some of those songs like Maneater and whatever played acoustically or the way they do it now when they're not so, like – um synthy and they're amazing they're amazing songs when you hear mm-hmm. them that way yeah. um and then do you guys watch live live from daryl's house i've seen oh, a few yeah. episodes yeah yeah. yeah yeah it's a blast i mean it's a blast yeah and my my wife's like that's a guy who that's a guy who like can drink shots she's like
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, i'd party
0: with him yeah yeah
1: absolutely yeah, yeah. no yeah I, we have a soft spot for them right
2: Oh, I mean, yeah. they're one of my all-time favorites. I've yeah. seen them, uh, you know. Like I said, it was one of my first concerts I ever saw. But um, I saw them on July fourth. They played at the Parkway for free. It was like torrential downpours, and I was like, "I'm not leaving." I'm <laughs> <I> stayed for the <laughs> whole thing, but um, the thing. But- Respected it and and appreciated it as a Philly soul band, except for they were white guys doing it and somehow pulling it off. So, mm-hmm. be, for the fact that they kind of got it, I think, um, I think they were really well respected. And then I uh, like Craig was saying, like I think once Man Eater and stuff started coming out, people were like, oh, they're a goofy '80s band or like a fun '80s band. Not even say goofy, but um, yeah, uh, Man Eater was originally written as a reggae song, and I. There was no version of it, obviously, because Daryl Hall was like, "We're not doing that as a reggae song,"
3: uh-huh. which is
2: weird because there is a reggae song on the fourth record. But anyway, I saw John Oates recently solo, and he played the reggae version of Man Eater, and I was like, "I'm enjoying this for what it is now. I'm glad this wasn't the version that came out."
0: Yeah. <laughs> sure. Be a different story for those well, guys. It seems I like think there
2: was a
4: period where they were kind of searching for who they were as artists.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, how does this be relevant after making all that early music the way they did, and then right?
1: It, it's kind of like the Heart phenomenon when you've got like early Heart, and then the '80s come and yeah. suddenly they're doing these dreams, and they're all swept oh, yeah. away, from yeah, shit. And you're like, like
0: shoulder pads. What yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> happens to this band with like this great guitar? You know, I mean, Magic Man, and then suddenly they're doing that. And I think it's just oh, yeah. you know, it really is a snapshot of like that moment in time how bands had a, if they were going to adapt, including Pat Benatar, if they were going to adapt some, there were some significant changes and you can really see them in bands like that, I think. Oh yeah, Yeah. ZZ Top as well, you know. uh,
0: ZZ
2: Top went hard for a couple, maybe two, three records. Yeah,
0: and I mean, I think it was was probably a a thing to keep your record deal too, you know, I mean, it's all these artists that were big in the 70s had to transition to this decade that was totally foreign,
1: you know, and just well, yeah, he,
0: it was interesting. Even
1: even Van Halen at that point, you know, when mm-hmm. you see David Lee Roth doing Jump versus the first album or two. Oh, sure.
2: Like well, albums. and yes. Rush went hard with the with yeah. the synth and Absolutely. all the experimental stuff.
1: That but, was one of those concerts I saw on that. Page. I saw Grace Under Pressure tour, and I think that was the first time I saw huge video. You know, like they had great videos in the background and it was one of the first times i think i remember seeing a concert that the story was told through those also just as a side note from what you just said <laughs> that's cool yeah absolutely I, I i got a soft spot for 80s rush i like it all
0: i i to me rush can do no wrong damn oh, it. Well,
2: <laughs> you know, you don't need to get me started on it i was I, I, I knew
0: you were my people. I right.
2: people when people are like oh i want to get into rush where do i start and i say all you need is the first 12 albums. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. That's
0: a perfect band. You know? I mean, three dudes. They're all just amazing at their instruments. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Could be a whole other episode. We, we have a Canadian episode, so if you guys ever want to check that out, go oh, yeah. dig into the archives. We give Rush plenty of love there. Well, on. am
1: on on the Jewish holidays, we listen to Rush for Rosh Hashanah, and <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
2: I don't remember doing that.
0: I, I
4: want to make a meme right now.
0: With right, it. right, yeah, gives us good material. Well, guys, it, it, it's been so much fun to talk about music. Let's let's switch to baseball for the last last little chunk of the show here. Um, obviously, Craig, you grew up a huge Phillies fan. Perry, I'm not sure uh, you big baseball fan or not, not necessarily. Yeah.
2: I liked it more as a kid. Not that I dislike it, but sure, music and art and like, uh, I, I mostly just collect T-shirts, honestly. So I have some cool okay. T-shirts, but yeah. uh, but yeah, I I don't really, I I can't probably don't have much to add to that part of the conversation.
0: No worries, man. So we'll um, the the bulk of tonight will focus on the music, but but Craig, I do want to talk about the Phillies a little bit. Um, so nineteen eighty team, you're you're around like freshman year of high school ish, right around there, right? Uh yeah yeah yeah. To me, it's always been weird to see Pete Rose in a Phillies uniform because I know his time there was relatively brief, right? Maybe two seasons. Seventy nine to
1: eighty three. Oh, okay, more than I thought. Okay, so there are two World Series in his little in his tenure there, one win, one loss. So he brought a lot
0: difference. He was a difference maker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, one of my favorite cards
4: of all time is the nineteen eighty tops Pete Rose. Because it's just literally, there. it's like no neck or nothing. It's literally just like his head, side profile, with, his, <laughs> with the killer, like, 80s hard batting helmet.
3: Yeah. yeah.
4: And, uh, he looks like the guy off the Big League Chew package. Right.
0: <laughs> right. That had to be the inspiration for that character, I would think. So, and then they, they played the Royals in 80, right? They beat the yeah. Royals in 80? Yeah. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. got good teams. George Brett then would have been on the Royals at the time. Uh, probably Mookie Wilson. I could be wrong, but yep. uh, yeah. So what? So do you, any any recollect any memories of the '80s team of the 1980 team? Excuse me.
1: Oh God, yeah. I mean, the, the parade went right past my high school. I mean, everything about it. what. Just to give context for that period in Philly, sure. Is that like from 1974 to like 1984 is a golden age in Philly sports. It's probably the first one. The um, Flyers win their two cups and then go to the finals a couple other times. The Sixers, you know, seventy seven, they lose to Portland oh, yeah. in eighty, eighty two, eighty three. They've got uh, they're in the finals against the Lakers. They win one, um, and the Eagles finally reach the Super Bowl. They'd been so hot. They'd been so horrible. The Jaworski, Vermeil, Howard Carmichael team. So it's this golden age, and then the Phillies, um, kind of like the Eagles of the nineties, seventy six, 76, 77, 78, they go to the uh they go to the championship and they lose to the they lose to the Dodgers. Um it was in that time though that Bert Hooten got booed off the uh where he got freaked out by the Phillies fans. You guys know that? Oh yeah. So 78 so and i was at that game that was awesome then ladies are like okay we need one more guy so they bring pete rose over it's 79 and they don't it's the first time in four years or three years they don't win the title that was the we are family uh pirates here okay 80 everything everything clicks and i mean you've got this team of 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 Boa Luzinski, Schmidt, of course, Manny Trio, um, and then Rose is added to the uh, chunk, and then you've got Carlton, of course, as the as the ace.
0: Got the MVP and the Cy Young that year. You know, yeah. yeah,
1: just 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 incredible. So that team was probably, and you know, the Phillies just historically are the oldest. I mean, we're proud, the oldest single name franchise in sports. I think they originated in eighteen eighty three, and they've been mm-hmm. the Phillies the whole time. They futzed with some other things. So in all that time, the first World Series they win is 1980. I mean it was like they had never won a series until right. 19- so the city was just I mean we we're bonkers for uh, for for that team. Um, the World Series um, that final game I mean, if you remember there was there's a pop up to there was a pop up uh, that boom Bob boom was our catcher. And he bobbles, and then uh, Pete Rose swoops in and he catches it before it goes down. I mean, and I mean Bob Boone, we hate him for having to give us Aaron Boone. Listen to him on like ESPN, um, <laughs> Aaron fucking Boone. He, yes, he he, he he fell off my list there anyway just because of his kids and that guy's like obnoxious as all hell. But it was just this team, and then it was Tug McGraw as our as the closer, and it was just such an exciting, exhilarating team. It was a comp it was even though they had choked before they had just such confidence maybe because they were playing Kansas City and that Royals team was a really good team but it wasn't like the issues of I'm up against I'm up we're up against the Yankees and to and they beat Houston in this great series to get there they didn't have to beat the Dodgers again you know like um so it was just a great it was a great time to be a Phillies fan for That's sure
0: um th- th- Night. We a couple episodes ago we, we we did an episode on 1993. So we talked about the 93 team in, mm-hmm. in detail, and it's like that's a lot of assholes on one team. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's 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 uh, to me it would have been hard to root for some of those guys. Um, but, like, but I guess in D, retrospect- like, I think the DUI to
2: player ratio was like four. <laughs> it's right? So, I do remember that era. By the way, just to chime in, that I can I was yeah. around. That. My
0: yeah. wife went to one of those games, uh, the '93 World Series. Uh I might have, might have gone to a couple of them. What was it, was it? Obviously, you had Joe Carter's home run. Did that go to
1: game? That went. Did that go to game seven? No, I think that was six.
0: Six. Okay, man. My wife went to a couple of them. Um, but any 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 highlights for you for that team, Craig? Well, um, it's an well, interesting group of. It's a motley crew.
1: And that was and kind of like the Flyers mascot, Gritty. They, <laughs> they would, he would have been the per. As, and we love the fanatic. We haven't even gotten into the fanatic, but um, <laughs> that that team, Harry Callis, the you know our old announce, our announcer who passed away. That was his favorite team because it was the hardest partying, hardest. I mean, when you got Lenny Dykstra, you oh, know, man. as as your premier player, and Darren Dalton, whose wife is the Hooters model at the time, <laughs> is your – is the team leader? Yeah, uh, yeah, and he, Dalton. And then you got Cro- and you got uh, and you got. Croc. Croc, I mean, and Inca Mitch Dealer. Williams. Yeah, right. it was. It was, and they came. I mean, they came out of nowhere. I mean, the Phillies had been so bad for a long time at that point, and then they were bad right after for a long time. But that it is year,
5: remarkable how many time how many years they finished more than twenty games out of first place.
1: <laughs> oh, you, when you, especially when you look at the thirties and forties and you get the whiz kids and, and the great collapse in 64, I think it is. Um, they're just, a, a, I mean, my father used to say that the Philadelphia A's, he was like, were much more popular. And then they got run out to go to Kansas to uh, <laughs> you see. And he's like, and then we were stuck with the Phillies who couldn't win anything. But that 93 team was like lightning in a bottle. And it was so funny. Like when they didn't win it. Everyone, I mean, people were throwing stuff at Mitch Williams' house. I mean, he was getting <laughs> food. It was dangerous for him to leave the house. It really, it really was. Uh, but it was almost like they, they shouldn't win it. You know, they, they, it was like it was. You know, it was like Charlie Brown about to kick that football, and they got so close, and they just didn't. I mean, it was a drunken Charlie Brown. Um, right? They were. It's right. They were really beloved, and then this year, I think they, I think um, they celebrated the tenth anniversary of in philly of the world oh, series the OA team.
0: team yeah, and then
1: whatever it was the 15th or 25th anniversary i guess of the night of the 93 team and the 93 team didn't get the love that they were that they were expecting as far as it turned out maybe because everyone was is still in touch with the oa team but it was um it was it was a team that was so much fun to watch it was a bunch of guys that you knew liked each other and if they didn't you knew fights in the dressing room were like they were hardcore fights and it was just throwback it was a time that you know yeah we don't you know I guess it reminded Philly maybe of the Broad Street Bullies days too where you know we're just gonna break the mold and it was just a a lightning in a bottle Dyxtra
0: certainly fits that bill um You know, I, I, well, yeah, I, at the time,
1: ahead. I just knew Darren
0: Dalton as the
4: asshole that literally I think was in every pack of baseball cards I bought from like 1985 <laughs> to like 1992. <laughs> I swear to God, like some packs would be like two Darren Daltons. I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, he, literally, I swear he was in almost every pack of cards I bought as a kid. Was
0: Was Dale Murphy on that team, Craig? No, 93. I think he was
1: already gone. That was... He was already gone? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was Incavilia in the outfield, Inky. Dykstra, and I forgot who the other was. But um, I don't think it was Del Murphy. You had
0: Mariano Duncan in the infield, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was, it was, good. It was a Kevin good lineup. Stopped. Yeah, Schilling was in the rotation as well, right? Yep, before we... Yeah. That, it um <laughs> well, Let me ask you this, Craig, before... Um, It seems to me like Schmidt is probably the best Philly of all time. I mean, it seems it's. I know maybe it's up for debate. Like if if it's not him, who is it then? You know, I mean, like to me, it's like Schmidt. And then it was like I was looking at their their whole history of notable players. It's hard for me to pick the second best. But it seems like Schmidt is the best.
1: And in Philly, the argument would be Schmidt's the greatest third baseman of all of all time. I mean, that's the article. That's the argument, and it's hard to beat that. I mean, I think Baltimore might
5: have something to say about that. Who would? Baltimore. Brooks Robinson.
1: Oh, I know, but we still believe. (laughs) Um, I well, and Schmidt's relationship with Philly. I mean, the booze and the crap that he got. I mean, he was. He's like the poster boy for the Philly fan. Who you could be great but you can't be great enough for right. I think Schmidt, I think of the modern era you're looking at Schmidt and then probably car and then probably Carlton um sure. in that era you know you, I was looking going back and you can go back to um like Chuck Klein was you know was a, you can go there's sure. early at Delahanty yeah. the early hall of famers from 1920s 90s yeah. Yeah, Springfield's
5: own Robin Roberts correct Yes, right, sir. Yeah. right, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, and, uh, Richie Ashburn Whitey, I mean, he's probably the most beloved Philly of of all time. He was our, he was our radio announcer or TV with, uh, Harry for a long time. Um, so he's beloved. But I think, Sch- you know, Schmidt is in its own, is in his own kind of stratosphere. And then, um, you know, Carlton is, you know, according to many, the greatest, or at the time, he was the greatest left handed pitcher. Um, you know, things have changed since then. Um, and like I say, and then I think earlier, you get those Jim Bunnings, you get the Robin Roberts, uh, you get Dick Allen, who we could talk about a little bit, too, as the first baseman. Uh-huh. And then you get the next generation and it's up to you. You know, Ryan Howard, if you can throw away the last four years when he was struggling to hit 230, you know, that, that height uh, when he was you know, those four or five years, yeah, he was hitting 50 homers a year, you know. He was Chase Utley
0: you know, too, and, man. He you, you
1: know, he would be yeah. part of them.
0: I'd say I think you could put Rollins, J. Roll in that conversation too, you know? I mean M V P, you know, there.
1: That yeah, that team, you know, Chase Utley's probably the most beloved of them on. He sealed it at the um at the victory parade when he his his great thing was world champions, world fucking champions. The- and <laughs> if you like definitely embrace their- if you watch yeah. it online, like it was just like, he just nailed it. Um, <laughs> he's probably the most beloved. And I think we can, and hopefully he'll be, he'll, hopefully he'll be a hall of famer. His numbers never quite made it to where I think each year it was like, who's going to yeah. be the MVP this year. And like, at least in the conversation, and he never quite, made those numbers but he made that team that you know he was he he was the face of that team and uh, the, the the work ethic of that team and then you get jimmy rollins who starts off when the phillies are hot were really bad and he's real flashy and then when the team's really good he becomes like the leader he still's got a great smile but not like cocky the way he had yeah, been and charismatic you know, guy
0: definitely yeah
1: and then get jason worth and victorino and such well, um and then yeah. oh yeah, let's you know we'll have Cole Hamels and then we'll add Cliff Lee and Halliday the next couple of years. Like but um
0: Halliday, Halliday is probably the 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 shoe in Hall of Famer from that team. You know, yeah. I would I would say the other guys are kind of on the bubble, you know, that well, you I, just mentioned.
1: Well I would say Halliday Halliday, yeah, but he'll probably go I, I guess he'll go in, in a blue jays hat. I'm not uh I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Um I mean he did he had the perfect game and the no hitter with the Phils. I forget uh,
5: though that he wasn't on the championship team, right? Oh, he wasn't. He wasn't on the okay. Nope. It was afterwards. No. Okay, my bad.
1: Um and now there no, was but, Cliff
5: Lee.
1: Cl- right, Cliff Lee was the next year when they lost to the uh when they lost to the Yankees. Um I mean, we include him as part of that era, but that uh that team, you know, I think I mean, I think J. roll winning an MVP as a shortstop, you know, probably uh probably deserves Um, Ryan Howard, again, it depends on what you, what you remember of it and the numbers you look at and what, um, how much of his career you care about. He
0: almost hit 60 home runs his first full season in the big leagues.
1: it was rookie. And he hit like three, he hit over 300 that year too. And then I don't know, eventually he just couldn't hit a breaking ball from a left-hander for his life. Yeah,
0: he's a strikeout, strikeout king, you know, I mean, the shift. Yeah, big the guy like that, Big guy like that's going to strike out. You know, yeah. He's, he's swinging for the fences every pitch. You know?
1: yeah. But you know, uh, Ryan's a borderline. Rollins is a borderline. Utley's borderline. Depends on what you know on what you're judging. Um, sure. And Cole, you know, Cole Hamills, if he could have got, I mean, he he was a monster. Um, yeah. That. I I can't imagine a team because they what for four or five years they won the division, two world two trips to the world series i can't imagine them not getting anyone in the hall from those teams sure. i mean that would be you know
5: if uh, i have one question for you craig if i visit citizens bank ballpark where do i go to find the Vaughn
1: hayes statue <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the old five for one it's he's, yeah, he's my favorite philly that filly. was his nickname <laughs> five, for, five for one and, uh, like,
5: what's <laughs> what's the five for one mean
1: when they traded for him, they traded. They gave up five guys for him. Oh. So five guys for one.
0: Oh wow. boy,
1: that's a lot to live up to. Yeah, and he never wow. lived up to it. Uh, <laughs> nice. So yeah, so that was that was what he was known as in Philly: five for one. I think <laughs> Bonds a
0: pretty tough name too. Yeah, but. well Good stuff, man. And, and, and again, on a clo- to close it out, I mean, the Phillies future looks pretty bright, too. You know, I mean, obviously you're in the market for a couple of the marquee free agents, but, uh, you know, it, it's a competitive team in, in a competitive division uh, this year. But uh, you guys got a shot, man. So good luck. Good luck in 2019. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Well, I really enjoyed hanging out with you guys tonight. It was a lot of fun. Uh, like to thank Perry and Craig. Uh, also, want to tell everybody to check out Perry's website for just a lot of great concert poster <laughs> art. Um, go to Perryshall So P Perry and then shall S-H-A-L-L.com. Anything you got coming up, Perry? That you want to you want to kind of plug here, man? Or um,
2: uh, yeah, uh, uh, I. Well, it's not coming up, but I did. I just did shirts for Gilbert Gottfried, so go see oh, him. Oh, nice.
0: Nice. Uh, awesome. Uh,
2: I designed his first and only shirt that he's ever had. Oh, uh, nice. I saw him last night, actually, so that's kind of why I'm thinking of it. Oh, but, sweet. sweet.
4: Does he talk like that in real life, or is that like an act?
2: Um, It's, you know, it's like a character, so it's exaggerated. Okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a little bit of it when, for the most part, but... um, Okay. But, yeah, he's super sweet. Uh That's awesome. Other than that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm DJing. I DJ sometimes. I play shows with my bands. And you follow me on social media, and I tell you everything I'm doing that you don't need to care about, but maybe no. you will. Well, <laughs> check out
0: PerryShall.com, um, and you can get all the, the info you need there, and we'll certainly we'll certainly, uh, we'll certainly uh, post all those links as well. Uh, Craig, always good to see you, man. Uh, miss you. Hope uh, hope uh, hope everything's well. And congrats on uh, on being a daddy. That's uh, Welcome to the club.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Well, hopefully we can catch a concert or a game this summer.
0: I love that. I love that. Sounds like a plan. Want to remind everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Want to remind everybody you can check us out at rockchew.com. All of the archives of all our episodes are there. You can check us out on the Twitter and the Instagram at rock in chew, um, Rock in chew. Uh, So check us out there and uh, until next time until episode 97, see you again. Uh, take care everybody. Peace yeah.